Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, everybody? February 1st edition of the Fightful MMA podcast. Uh, this is the Sean Pearson Show, and I'm sure there's other names uh, I could call it, but uh, you know, some of them are uh, with four-letter words I'm not allowed to use. But uh, as we learned the last time Sean was on, this is not my show. It's the Fightful MMA podcast, uh, I guess, hosted by Sean, run by Sean, and you know, Pearson's back from vacation. What's up, Sean? Not too much, guys. Uh, out for vacation. I have zero tan because Florida's not as hot as it should be, but good times. I saw some of those uh, on some of your Instagram pics. It was like raining and you went through some storms? Yeah, the, we were at uh, what um, Hollywood Studios and there was tornado warning. So, torrential downpours. It was fun. We stayed, oh. though. Just uh, everybody was leaving the park, so that was a good chance for us to get on that Tower of Terror a bunch of times in a row with no weights. So, it worked out well. For Listen, for the, peop- <laughs> for the, pe- for the people in the GTA, as an example, that goes to, to Canada's Wonderland. That's our amusement park. When you compare it to, to Disneyland or Disney World, what, what, what would you say? It, it, it's different. So Canada's Wonderland is catered towards – so for pure rides and, and thrills, Canada's Wonderland is, is, is better. It's top-notch. Canada's Wonderland's rides are meant for that 12 to 45 years old. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, they're all high-thrilling rides. Disney is about an experience. One thing I've learned about Disney is they do everything right. They treat you right. They understand how to keep you at the park, right? They understand how to empty your wallet, right? They're very good at what they do. <laughs> and the experience, it, it is what it is. Like, I even realized the reason why they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on fireworks every night, because you think about it, fireworks are at 9 or 8 o'clock at night. What are you doing from 5 till 8 or 9 at night? You're either in the restaurant spending money, walking through the stores, spending money, letting your kids see cool little things, spending money. They understand the longer they keep you at the park, the more money they're going to get out of you. They, it's a smart thing that everybody wants to stay for the fireworks. It's a big thing at Disney, right? The Magic Kingdom has them. Epcot has them. They're smart. They, they do everything really well. They treat you well. You wear a pin, first time Disney, so your kid gets a pin. You know, first time at Disney. Every employee he walks by, well, I hope you're enjoying your first time, Hunter, or whoever your, your kid's name is. Um, happy birthday, Hunter. Happy birthday, Logan. They, they say they, they just do things well. They're smart. They suckered you in, man. Oh, I yeah. think I think you yeah, just suckered me in. I'll be back every year. <laughs> it's good times. We're booking. There's apparently a Marvel cruise, like a new Marvel Disney cruise, um, starting up in January next year. That my wife's already looking at. Because been- I was actually, you know what? As much as as I love uh, fighting and I love mixed martial arts, the other thing, the one thing that makes me happier is seeing a, a smile on my son's face. And, and when I saw the commercial, a Disney commercial that had Star Wars. Uh, or Star, a Star Wars area, or Star Wars characters, I was like, we're going. I don't care how much it costs, we're going. Like, did you see that part? 
Oh yeah, you can do uh, so. There's uh, Jedi training that my older son did a couple years ago that your boy would be able to do. So they, you know, they get a lightsaber, they walk out with capes. They they're part of the you know part of a a show a little bit where they get the battle. Like when my boy did it was Darth Vader, but I think it was Kylo Ren this time. So Kylo Ren comes out as one of the bad guys, and you're battling him using the Force and stuff. It, it's cool. Like the kids get you know the kids love it. So it's hard to not want to go back and not want to do it. Forget the kids. Can I do that training? No, I think the maximum age is like 12. But listen, you look old, but you're short. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's nothing we could do there. I don't know. I set myself up for that one. All right. Speaking of uh, setting things up there, did you have an opportunity while you were down there uh, to catch the, uh, the UFC on Fox card uh, headlined by Valentina Shevchenko and Juliana Pena? Um, I only got to watch the last two fights. Um, the second last fight was the one I was really interested in anyways. But um and then I've been able to see some highlights here and there. Okay, well, just to bring you up to speed, Essence Sal did defeat Eljamain Sterling, but controversy there it was a split decision. I think he actually won that fight, but didn't do himself any favors um, with Sean Shelby. Sam Elvey took out Nate Marquardt in, in a fight that many thought that, you know, Nate Marquardt, if you want to survive versus Sam Elvey, you better take this fight down on the ground because Sam's simply going to use his fists uh, and pound you in the face. That's exactly what he did. Uh, Jason Knight, with probably the fight of the night performance, uh, taking out Alex Caceres, uh, a guy that you trained with um, at TriStar a while ago. What was it like training with Alex? No, I never trained with him. I, I watched him train with the guys. I was at the, you know, I was in the facility, but he's, you know, feels like he's about a buck ten. Um, I, I don't know. I'm like, he seemed like a good young kid. He, I think at that time he was just out of the show. I remember watching him train with Ivan Menjivar and a couple guys in there. Um, he had an interesting style, right? Because he had a newer age style versus you know the old school guys that were more methodical. He was that guy who would go out there and he would try things high risk. Um, you know, in practice, it's really low reward, right? Because you got the big gloves on. So he'd get exposed a lot more in practice than maybe in a, in a, a big time fight with small gloves. It might pay off more. But, you know, the, the spinning back fists out of nowhere, the, you know, the Bruce Lee style stuff. But he was a character and it's what the sport needed. He just, uh, you know, if he had some more wins behind him with that character, it might go somewhere. I, I heard uh, various gyms, actually, that whenever he tries or spars and does some of that crazy stuff, a lot of the old school guys are like, this guy doesn't stand still. I'm going to hit him for real, and I'm going to drop him. He's going to have to stop doing this crap when he's doing it with me. Well, people can say what they want, but at the end of the day, you still got to hit him. I'm pretty sure he didn't get as far as he did by being easy to hit and you know, not a, a bit of a, you know, a warrior in there. Like, you got to give people credit at this level. It's not like he was a one-shot and done. He, he's been up here now for a while. He's gotten unorthodox styles, and there are, you know, successful people that are unorthodox. You know, maybe people thought about that about Machida at first. You know what I mean? It is what it is. He, he gets the job done with his style, and it's hard to replicate. The one thing I've always liked about Alex is that speed factor um, and, and what he's able to do. He went five rounds pretty much with Yair Rodriguez, uh, but then in Jason Knight, uh, another young guy, up-and-comer, just – mean just mean in everything he did especially when he had Alex's back and just throwing those just strikes that were not meant to be pretty uh, and not just it was it was quality over quantity let's just say that but Jason Knight with the, with the rear naked submission uh Francis Ngannou um a guy that many people have been paying close attention to for a very long time I joked about it all week uh with my color commentator from Titan FC uh Kamar Usman posting the picture of us three together uh, and obviously me you know you've already mentioned how short I am and then you've got Ngana who's an absolute monster well he it took him 92 seconds to take out Andre Arlovski uh and really set a statement uh and people are thinking like this guy here is one fight away from a title shot did you have a chance to to get any highlights or see anything with his fight 
I saw the highlights, but let's call it spade a spade. You can be anybody, and you're one shot away from a title fight in the heavyweight division. Like that, the heavyweight division is, is right now. It's just a revolving door. Um, you know, the, it, it's the, the older guys are starting to move on now, but they've been around like you know, like these guys for a long time. It, it seems like it's we're just getting that new taste of new blood in there right now. But the the problem with heavyweights are, is I find guys come in for a short period of time and they do some great things where you think, oh, this is the next big thing, and then they, you know. They, they fall short because they're not well-rounded. You know, people come in and they've got brutal power like this guy here. This guy now I've seen, he's getting a little more well-rounded. He got a submission one of the couple of fights ago. But at the end of the day, if you're not if you're not a complete athlete, you're not, I mean, these guys are athletes, but if you're not well-rounded in mixed martial arts, eventually someone puts a game plan together and, and solves you. And in the heavyweight division, I haven't seen since the old school guys, the guys that are very well-rounded. Now, I know what's coming. Um, it's just, it so happens, I believe, in this sport, until the big money is here, big athletes that are, you know, 230 pounds and 245 pounds of athletic raw power are drawn to sports like football. Um, I want to say any other big money sport where, you know, their size matters. They're not necessarily drawn to mixed martial arts at this time. But when the, as the money comes, and I would even say boxing, but as the money comes and as it opens up, we're going to see more and more large athletes um, catering to the sport at a younger age and following through with it. Well, he does emerge victorious versus Arlovsky. People are talking about him uh, at least being one or two fights away, and he's got to have a challenge. There are guys in that. I'd like to see him fight Ben Rothwell next, uh, but he is, you know, he's not there with Verdum just yet, in my opinion, although Verdum has not looked very, very good in his last few fights. Cain Velasquez is injured. Uh, you know, and Ganu, in my opinion, despite him doing what he's doing, uh, this run that he's having at heavyweight and, and being in the UFC, until he gets tested, until someone can push him two or three rounds, uh, it, it's hard for me to judge a fighter like this. But he's—it's the heavyweight division, Sean. That's what I mean. I—I I agree. He's a fight away. They give him a title fight next. Like no one else wants. To, I don't know. I, I'm different, so I don't want to watch heavyweights fight. Generally, it's a one round of great fighting, and then I call it the—you know—the the push and slide. You know, they—they they get slippery. They push themselves up against the cage and try and slide behind the guy. You know, they, again, there's. I'm being a little sarcastic here, but I just mean the cardio for heavyweights to go five rounds. It's a difficult situation. Now there are guys out there that, you know, I love to watch fight um, in the heavyweight division, but it's few and far between. And I watch them more or less for not necessarily them being title contenders or, or the champs. I watch them because they're entertaining fighters like Mark Hunt to me. I'll always watch that guy fight. I mean, I know there's a chance someone's getting KO'd. I like his attitude. I like what he's done for the sport. I, he's a great fighter. Um, you know, I, <laughs> um, rub my belly. I'm sorry. Why can't I come up with his name right now? Rub my belly. Roy Nelson. Roy Nelson. You're know, another guy. Like I, I like to watch him fight. I don't ever think he's going to be the champ, but you know, when he's on a card, it, not so much anymore, but before I would love to see him fight. You know what I mean? Now I, I worry cause he takes a lot of punches and I feel like, you know, some of these guys that they need to move on, but you know, I don't necessarily care who the heavyweight champ is, you know, to me, it's in heavyweight division. I just care about who's putting on the fights. Yeah, you're right. Roy Roy has taken uh, a lot of damage. I was actually lucky enough to see him in Japan because he was cornering Heath Herring, uh, and we you know we were just shooting the breeze outside uh, at a restaurant. And he's just you know he's still he's still there. Thankfully, he's still there. Uh, but it's something that that you kind of opened my eyes to 
two shows ago or three shows ago when you're talking about uh, Mark Hunt and the lawsuit and what potentially could be coming down in the future um, you know, with these lawsuits and guys that have taken uh, performance-enhancing drugs and taken that kind of damage. But we'll cross that bridge a little bit later on. Co-main event, Asphodel uh, uh, took out Donald Cerrone. Uh, Reed Kuhn had mentioned it on Friday to pay close attention to the fact that Cerrone had competed in Toronto uh, and didn't have enough turnaround time. He's just simply fighting too much. And I told the story about Greg Jackson telling me a while ago when Cerrone was on this one run and then he met up with Nate Diaz. And it was at the end of a six-fight streak of, on of just fighting almost. I fought on that card. Yeah, and you know, people were like, you know, Cerrone's going to do great, and it's like this guy's fighting too much, man. He's got to, he's got to shut down a little bit. He's got to relax a little bit. But it's the way Cerrone lives, man. Because if he's not doing that, he's wakeboarding. He's on the lake. He's climbing a mountain. He's riding his motorcycle. He's jumping out of a plane or something like that. But you know, we saw Masvidal do what he does best, and that's fight whatever his opponent gives to him. And he really picked up the pace and put a hurting on Cerrone. Yeah, live by the sword, die by the sword type thing. Um... To me, that's a sad fight. I like both guys. You know, as far as as a fan, I think both guys are, are fun to watch. So I don't like seeing Cerrone get beat up like that. I don't think many people do. Um, it should have been stopped in the first. Now, I understand a little bit how you let things go on, especially with someone of Cerrone's caliber, but it was just – it was sad to see. You know what I mean? In the, in the second – at the end of the day, as much as I want to see Cerrone fight, we, we knew it was over, especially even early on in the second. You, you could see that he wasn't there yet, so – that, that was sad to see. And, again, Cerrone's a big star in this sport. Um, he always will be. I, I still think that he's a 155-er. Um, again, he, he can compete at both. He's a great fighter. But, it, I don't know. It was just uh, sad to see. And then George, like, Jorge is he's a killer. You know what I mean? And now people are ducking him. And he's, you know, he's one of those guys where he doesn't have a big enough name or a big enough draw where guys want to risk – because they know exactly what he is. Like he's out there. You put a hurt like a hurt like that on Cerrone. You know, you're no one to, to fuck with. So, you know, now I can see people turning down fights, especially when title. You know, their title shots are on the line. Maya's like, no, that's good. We're good right now. Yeah, for those that don't know, Sean's bringing up the fact that Damian Maya apparently turned down the fight. First, Nick Diaz turned down a fight, I believe, with, with Damian Maya. Uh, no, Nick Diaz turned down a fight with Robbie Lawler and Damian Maya. Damian Maya was then offered to Jorge Masvidal, and apparently he turned down. According to Masvidal, he turned down a fight uh, with Masvidal, and now apparently it's going to be um, what is the guy's name? Oh my god, I'm just trying a blank right now. Um, Neil Magny that will potentially be taking on Masvidal next. So. Back to what Sean was saying about guys, you know, not risking their title shots. And, and with that being said, we don't know everything behind this. Like, for instance, I was like, I was supposed to fight uh, Meyer. I was offered a fight with Maya as well, but I had asked for it. Like, I think they were giving me six weeks' notice from being an out of shape bum, and it was in Brazil. I'm like, ideally, I'm not fighting a guy of his caliber on six weeks, especially I, w- I wasn't in fight shape. So that's two weeks of me trying to get in shape, and then four weeks of camp, and take one of those away from me just cutting weight. I couldn't be ready. So I'd asked for it to be in uh, Winnipeg, but he had to fight in Brazil. So, you know, technically I turned down a fight with Damian Maya, but at the same time, you know, I, I thought it was a smart decision, you know, being on short notice. So it might be a similar situation here. Who knows, right? At the end of the day, he's not someone you want to risk your career with and your title shot against, especially if it's not in the ideal situation. But if you are Masvidal right now, based on what you've done. Uh, everybody. That's what he's doing. He's just talking crap about everybody. Everybody. Yeah, he's doing the right thing. That's what he's got to do. Get in everybody's head. 
somebody's ego is going to step up because that's the hardest thing as a fighter. You, your manager is just standing there trying to hold you back. <laughs> They're saying, no, don't do it. Don't do it. You mean we got to eat. That's the, not a, the problem here, but that's, that's the nature of the sport, right? Most of us will fight anybody. They don't ever think anybody is scared of this sport. No one's scared of him. But his managers are behind them saying, no, no, that's not a smart fight. So the business side of us can say, okay, it's not a smart fight. But once you start insulting someone and it gets on social media and things like that, someone's bravado is going to step up and be like, fuck it, I'm taking this guy. I, I need to shut this kid up. And then you got to fight, and that's McGregor's special right there. You know, you talk shit till you get what you want. True. Uh, or you could do what Valentina Shevchenko does and just win and surprise the heck out of everybody by winning by submission uh, because nine times – or I would say the vast majority of analysts, pundits, media, fans, whomever – uh, we're looking at this belt versus Juliana Pena and said this is a typical stri- or, or an old-school striker versus grappler matchup, the striker being Shevchenko, the grappler being Pena, and instead it's Shevchenko pulling off the armbar without people realizing she's got some submissions uh, on her submission victories on her resume. Um, are you surprised, as I was, that she pulled off the submission or, hey, Ms. MMA? Sorry, you're cutting it on me a little here. Oh. There, you're back. Got me? Yeah. Did you get that last part of the question? I don't know. I, the, the hardest part for me was staying awake. You know, I thought the fight was boring as shit. <laughs> Why would um, you say it's boring? I thought it was fantastic. There was, from a technical aspect, sure, maybe it was a great fight. But for, I don't know, for a main event for me, it's not exactly what I wanted to see. But whatever. You know, I can talk a lot of shit about a lot of things. But, you know, it was a technical fight. It was was trying to take her down and her trying to stay up and it was in a clinch the whole time. The the best the best part of the fight with me were the sweeps. You know what I mean? When uh Muse would knee and she'd hit her with the sweep, but then she would sort of just stay on top. Muse would eventually work her way back up, no damage done. It was to me, again, it was a methodical good fight, but I, I don't know. Again, maybe I'm I'm getting old and I'm getting to be uh, you know, a a guy sitting there with a beer where I just want to see, you know, two people slug it out a little bit. But there's times when I'm just like, just separate them, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, totally understood. But at, after the bow, she, she, so Shevchenko emerges victorious. Uh, kudos to the UC for flying in um, Amanda Nunes, the champion of the division, to watch this fight because, you know, I was, you know, she was there uh, in Florida at Titan. Obviously, she's with the American top team. Uh, but the UC flies her out to Denver. Um, more exciting. Okay. <laughs> You didn't like that post, uh, the post uh, stuff in the cage. What was the point? Like, think about the UFC right now. How much money did they waste to do that? But like, they're really, grabbing, they're grabbing "quote unquote" footage uh, that they can use in building up this rematch. Well, they're going to have to build it up because they're not going to talk about it. You know, I thought they were going to hug each other, a kiss. Like, I don't know. Like, there was no. I don't know. To me, you can't force animosity. It's got to be the two people have to want to build a fight up. And obviously these two haven't learned from the McGregor's and these other guys yet and how to do it. Ronda Rousey, like as much as, you know, I can say this and that about her and I wasn't the biggest fan of hers. She knew how to draw a crowd. Do you mean like that's the one thing every fighter in this sport's got to learn. It's not personal. I don't care if you're my best friend when the mic goes on and you're in front of the cameras, talk shit. That's what the fans want to see. The fans want to see some sort of animosity fake or not. What did Diaz call it? Wolf tickets. Yep. Start selling the wolf tickets. Do you mean because at the end of the day, the pay-per-view numbers matter. If I don't move the needle, I don't get my fights, I don't get my paycheck. You need to move the needle. 
Like pro wrestling has been doing this for years. That's the great thing about pro wrestling. Why do we all watch it? Because we're entertained. If we're not entertained, we don't watch. And part of the entertainment is the, the pre-fight, even the post-fight. And the fight is that what we wait for. But I remember Stone Cold Steve Austin. I don't remember what he did in any of his fights. I loved watching him hit stunners on pretty much everybody left, right, and center before the fights. Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, whoever he did, he hit a stunner on him. But the fights, I don't remember even who he fought. I just know he had a belt. Got to be entertained. <laughs> I concur 100%. And you're right. So there's people that get it. Some people don't get it. And it's just going to always be that way. Uh, but it's also a personality thing, in my opinion. I mean, I, 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 don't, I hate using this example, but how many times have I looked Rory McDonald in the eye and explained to him after he says to me, hey, you know, Shodan, I love that suit. Uh, I want suits like that as well. I'm like, well, you're in a different position than I am. I'm on television. These suits are, are, are custom made and paid for. Uh, you need to make money by selling this and doing that and blah, blah. It's like, oh, I love Floyd Mayweather. I said, you, Floyd Mayweather sells his fights nonstop. He's just, you know, you, you, you got to do it this way. And, and it, it just wasn't in Rory's personality to sell. So not everyone has that personality. Sorry, I missed that whole conversation. When you said you had a nice suit, I guess I was trying to think about when you're wearing a nice suit. So I missed the rest of that whole conversation. I'm like, Joe looked nice at one point. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> What's this kid talking about? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Why do you hate me? <laughs> I don't hate you, Joe. But um, no, you're right. But I think Rory, Rory was young. I think, you know, it's going to come. Like, I still think he's going to start selling things. And everybody, here's the thing. Everybody doesn't have to fit the same mold to sell. You just have to find your... I don't want to call it a gimmick, but your edge, right? What What is your strongest selling point? Like George, he sold it on being the nice guy. You know what I mean? Not everybody can do it. I tried to do it a little bit and I obviously can't do it, but um, you got to find what your, you know, what matches your personality and what do you want to put out there? Again, McGregor's probably a great guy to half these guys he's fought. They probably, they're probably friends in the background. I don't know. But at the end of the day, they should all love him. He made a lot of money from him. Well, that's the point. Right, I mean, he gets it. He he got it from a long time ago. He got it when he was on the regional scene fighting in Cage Warriors, uh, the ability to promote himself on the microphone, which had all these different fans from Ireland um, and the UK, you know, almost forcing him down down Dana White's throat. So you need to look at this guy. This guy's winning. He's got two titles in this in this uh, promotion here, and he sells and he knows how to talk. And then in, as soon as he started going, people started realizing, holy smokes, who is this big mouth? Who is this guy? And like you said. He talked his way into title fights, talked his way into, but he backs it up. That's the other beauty of Conor McGregor is he backs it up. Well, that's the thing. You get an opportunity, you got to take full advantage of that opportunity. And that's what McGregor's, he's done all along. And even right now, like I, I love the, the stuff that's going on right now, because as much as, you know, he's making fun of the UFC, he's making fun of boxing, doing all this stuff. At the end of the day, we all want to watch it. We all want to see whatever he's going to do next. Everybody's clamoring to watch. Like, didn't he just have a pay-per-view for a press conference? You should five bucks, five bucks to watch this pay-per-view, and that venue was ram-packed. That's that's retarded. But all the power to him. Good for him. It's it's unreal. Now, if you, I mean, I was having a conversation, uh, you know, my guest this past week about. Amanda Nunes and what she can do potentially to raise her stock value to, to sort of get out there and Shevchenko. And I, I looked at two of them differently. I wrote an article about it on Fightful MMA, obviously with Amanda Nunes being the first open gay champion, uh, you know, she could really get some help or sort of partner up or, or become sort of a, a model, um, an ambassador, someone to look up to from the, from the lesbian, gay, uh, LGBT sort of, uh, 
uh, did I say it right? LGBT, I think it is. Um, you know, community to look up at someone like that. There's an example there for Shevchenko. Obviously, the nationalism, patriotism angle uh, of where she's from, and use that as a selling point. But if you, Sean Pearson, as a promoter, what would you advise them to do other than probably stir up some controversy? Well, I think both those examples are good, but at the end of the day, they've got to they've got to want to do it. That's the difficult part here, right? It's, you know I mean, is it in them to do this? Is that what they want? Is that what they want out of this? Yes or no? And because, you know, Dana White, and they have the ability to make stars. I don't know who just, I read that somewhere. Where they can make anybody a star. But when they give you that opportunity, when you've got that, that, that time, you've got to take advantage. You've got to be ready to go. And that, that's where when you watch those two in the ring afterwards, and I'm like, you're not ready to go. It's, it's great to be the champ. And at the end of the day, as a sport, that is the end-all, be-all. That is what you want. But now I'm looking back, oh, this is a business too. This is your full-time gig. This is your job. How do we maximize our paychecks? You need to you need to take your time. Your time is now. The problem is, Sean, for years, and let's just be honest, two decades now, the vast majority of fighters don't understand that until they retire. Well, I can't even tell you how many guys I used to say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. To know that we're at TriStar, and I would tell them when I had the TV show, hey, let's promote your fight. Let me come out there, you know, five weeks from, from fight time, six weeks before fight time. Let's get a feature together. Let's get an interview together, and I'll promote you as you get, lead up to the fight. I had guys saying to me all the time, Sean, no, let's just, just talk to me after the fight. I'm too busy training. I'm like, you got this ass backwards, son. You got this completely incorrect. You need to do this beforehand to build up people, to build up the fact that you are who you are. People can follow you, blah, 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 watch you fight. You do it afterwards, you're at risk of getting cut. And I can give you a couple of examples of guys that got cut after they lost that that were at TriStar and other gyms across Canada that wouldn't give me the time of day during training camp or even right before training camp was starting and only want to do interviews afterwards. Just think they, they don't get it, Sean. No, I agree. And I, I do feel low for you if you look back low. This was, and I'm saying, you know, as we grew the grew as this sport and grew with this sport, I didn't believe the sport started as a purely the entertainment portion was just an add-on. Do you know what I mean? Like, especially from the smaller shows. Let's talk about the smaller Canadian shows growing up. The entertainment aspect was not the biggest part of this. It was more of the fight. But now that we've slowly progressed to sport entertainment. Right, to truly now most people understand it now. I think the fighters even understand it more now because people are talking about it more. But I, I remember even when I was there, I, I did it because I loved it. I did it because I was a you know a pro wrestling fan. I didn't do it because I thought this was going to make me more money. The truth of the matter, every time I was flown to Montreal, I figured I was flown there to lose. You know I mean, because at the end of the day, I'm just beating up a French guy. 
So the French guy's selling the tickets. You know, I could bring a busload of people, but he's selling the tickets. I'm there beating them up. That's not doing them any good. That's why I didn't get a lot of fights for a long period of time. I mean, what was the point of bringing me to Montreal to have a fight so, to one of their, you know, their guys they're trying to build just to have them lose to me? You know what I mean? They, he's selling tickets. He's their draw. Who am I? I'm just some guy they're bringing in. That's why I felt like, you know, if you don't have a, your own promotion or a, a promotion that you're sort of loyal to, it's hard for them to build you, right? Because why are they going to invest money in you when you could never fight for them again? And it happens all the time across these small promotions where you'll see the guys that they that stick with them, um, you know, they, they build them. They build them properly. They promote them. They become the face of the organization until they leave and move on to the UFC or wherever they want to go. But these guys that bounce around, they have a little harder time because they're only going to get tough fights because, you know, you've got no draw for us. You know, if I fight in Edmonton here, if I fight in Wisconsin here, if I fight in Iowa, if I fight in Newfoundland, if I fight in all these different areas, but I'm not loyal to anybody, it's hard for any one town to get me a fan following, right? Unless you're already famous, it doesn't make sense. What advice would you give to someone that just got signed by the UFC to say, I mean, I, I tell the fighters all the time, especially the new ones that are going in there, look, man, you're born here, you die here, you're at your, your fighting career is this long maximize the revenue of your brand in a very short period of time because you're one shin kick away from it ending. So you need to figure it out. So what would you tell? And I tell people all the time, you got to make noise. I remember when Jim Ross told Chael Sonnen and I uh, at Battlegrounds, uh, it, it was an amazing speech he was giving the fighters about the, the importance of making noise. You got to make noise whenever you have the opportunity. And that time to make noise, in my opinion, is always during that post-fight interview in the Octagon because uh, more people will see that than they'll see the post-fight press conference. And But the post-fight press conference is another one where you have to make your noise there as well. And, of course, social media. But some of these these peeps just – they won't. So if you had the chance or the opportunity uh, to give um, you know a pep talk or some advice to some of these young fighters, male or female, what would you tell them? I blow up social media because you're right with the post fights and all this stuff. But you got to remember, a lot of these younger guys on the undercards, they don't even get post fight interviews all the time unless that's changed. You know, a lot of times you didn't get a post fight interview unless it was stopped early. Um, you don't get to the presser unless you're the main event or maybe a knockout of the night. So social media is where you got to start for a lot of these guys. And you start blowing up. The one thing I wish if I could go back that I would do, I would, I would start calling people out. Don't be the nice guy. It's like, it's just stupid. You got to call people out every time. Pick your own fights. Don't wait for Sean Shelby, whoever else to pick your fights for you. Pick them yourselves. Start fights online. Pick fights that you think you can win or it can be exciting. You know what I mean? Don't wait for them to do it for you because, you know, it's, it's difficult to say no and you need to wait for the proper matchups. Just start calling people out. If you know there's 10 people in the, in the weight class that you can beat or you should beat, let's go. Twitter it up. Start calling people out. Instagram photo, you know, put my face next to them on their girlfriend's body and have her, you know, so I'm kissing them. I don't know. Like, do something. You know what I mean? Get creative. I really wish I could rewind the past, what, 30 seconds to a minute of your diatribe right there because that is bang on. That's absolutely 100% correct. There's nothing that drives me. I should say it drives me insane, Sean, but when someone is asked who do you want next or what's next for you, and it's like whatever the UC wants, whatever Dana White wants, I love it when guys or girls just, boom, throw a name out there. Let's do this. That's the best way. And again, you try, you're trying to be a company man. You're, everybody's so scared, right? You're in there, you're young. Um, you just got this UFC contract. You think you're going to make, you know, you don't know what to do sometimes. Listen, they don't care. They like it. Do you mean that, that 
I didn't realize either. Like I should have been calling people at left, right, and center because there's lots of people I thought I could kill. I'm like, I should call him. And again, it's my ego. I think I can kill everybody, but I should have been calling these people out and gotten the fights I wanted. I, I was going to move on. Uh, speaking of what's next or what to do or what what advice you have, but I want to ask you a quick question. Um, regard, it's just it's almost a personal question that people that are tuning in right now could give a damn about, or or even those that are watching afterwards. Um, but I've been around you. Uh, I've been around just oh my God, dozens and dozens, hundreds of fighters in public. Uh, but I know you do. You, you, you work with your, your your son in terms of amateur sports. You're an assistant coach. Uh, does it ever get to a situation where people have no idea who you are and try and start something with you? And it's just like you shake your head. You're like, this guy has no idea who I am, what I'm capable of, and he just needs to shut up. I don't know. I, it does things like that happen. I don't know if it comes down. To, I don't care if they know who I am or not. It's just one of those things where there's times when. When anybody, you know, in sports, people are competitive, right? They're competitive for their kids. So there's times when, you know, things are said a little bit. I'm not saying, like, terrible things, but where you get your back up. And then, you know, I had a situation where I felt someone was rude to me at a, at a hockey game and he started to turn his back to me. And in my head, I was like, I want to smash you in the face. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not going to do that. But, that, you know what I mean, like the 19-year-old the or the 17-year-old version of me probably would have. I would have tried to start a fight there. Or not, You know what I mean? Not start it, but I would have egg something on a little bit you know i just i laugh i'm just like fuck like (laughs) you don't realize what i could have done right now only because i see for for those that are not part of the uh you know i'm not saying not part of the canadian landscape but hockey is king in this country and as well as you know the minor hockey system is specifically where you know we're just outside of the greater toronto region uh but when you start talking about hockey in general, AAA in general, and, and, and how competitive and how parents are just crazy. I guess in the States, it'd be like basketball or football or baseball where the parents can just be hey, out of control. It, it, it's football because I watched a, watch a show on, I think it was on Netflix called uh, Friday, Friday Night Lights, I think it was, or Friday Night Tykes. Maybe it's Friday Night Tykes. And it's about seven, eight-year-old football down in the States, and it was crazy. And the coach, like, again, I don't think it gets a, that crazy up here as far as how the coaches were, but, I mean, that's how intense hockey is up here, you know. Again, I don't think we're as bad as that, but it's the same idea. How how involved the parents were, it, it's the same thing up here. I see some parents just – everybody thinks their kid's going to the NHL, and it's, it is what it is. You know, it's never hold a kid's dream back. Let's all be a little realistic here, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, just Just for the record, I do know of a coach – uh, who told me and told his staff that if we're ever playing Pearson's team or Pearson's son's team, uh, we don't cause any problems with the bench. And that's what kind of uh, got to my head when another coaching staff was told, a coach tells his assistant coaches, look, we're playing Pearson's team. No chirping, no nothing. Um, but yeah, that, I thought that was comical. So I thought I would ask you that. Uh, moving back to mixed martial arts, Dana White basically stated Ronda Rousey is probably done. Uh, I, I kind of respectfully disagree because I think the competitor in her uh, will at least try and compete one more time. Uh, try just, just go out with a victory some way. Maybe match her up against someone that's a little bit lower in the rankings. Elias Theodoro just completely said, uh-uh, she's done. No chance. She was done before this Amanda Nunes fight. She didn't want to be in this fight. She came back, got her, you know, got her ass handed to her. Uh, and that's done. I think, Sean, if she changes her camp, she could have another run or at least go out on top. Uh, your thoughts? I think she could have another run. I don't think it's in her. I don't think she wants it enough. I think she's, you know, I, I would highly, I, would, I wouldn't doubt if, you know, she, if she's serious with her. Who's she with again? Is it not Ben Rothwell? Who's, a, who's she with? 
Travis Brown. Travis Brown, you know, if they end up, you know, maybe having kids soon. Again, I'm just speculating. I have no idea. But I agree. I didn't think she looked into it in her last fight. The problem is she's been at such a high level. I find it it's going to be difficult for her to even call a, a lower level fight that she wins a victory. I mean, if she goes and fights the number 10 ranked bantamweight and wins, is that truly a victory for her in her head? In okay. her head, you're right, probably not. But to the mainstream audience, they would go crazy to see her win again. But I, I agree, but it's it's her, right? It's all in her head. Can she compete again? She can definitely compete again. She can be. She can do well again. I just don't think – I think her ego w- wouldn't allow that to happen. I think she needs to fight at the top. She would want to, you know, not necessarily a title shot, but she'd want almost like a one or two fights back into a title. Anything can happen. Camps would have to change for her. Um, we talked about it on one of the shows. You know, I don't think she's in the right environment, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I think she should just sort of sail off, and she collected some big paychecks. See if she can actually still hang out in the the movie scene a little bit. You know, Entourage is one of my all time favorite shows, and she got on that for the movie. So you know, I'd see you know where she can go with that kind of stuff. That's just yeah. my advice. The same. My advice was to George. Like I wouldn't come back either. I don't know why George is coming back, but. You know, as well, a, the, the as reported ten million dollar payday. Yeah, but as a mixed martial arts fan, I want to see him back. But on the other side of me, I'm like, why? You know, he's getting movie roles and, and this and that. I'd be like, just go sail off and have fun and not get hit in the head anymore. I don't know. Well, speaking of guys having fun, um, you know, who knows if they want to get hit in the head anymore? Despite him talking about Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor, that pay per view. I mean, he is stirring that pot. Uh, F the UFC, F Diaz, F anything and anything that has to do with with. I don't know. He's F everybody, Conor McGregor's saying, but he's stirring the pot. And, and Dana White flat out eventually came out and said in the post-fight press conference that if he wants to go toe-to-toe with us uh, in, in terms of the whole, the whole Floyd Mayweather thing and just in general, it'll be an epic fail for Conor McGregor. I mean, this guy here is just – and I've been saying it for quite some time. I said it at the Gentleman's Expo with George St. Pierre. I've said it before even towards the end uh, of my tenure with sports that this guy here has the ability to get very, very large – and basically screw you know screw the UFC screw them and then my opinion be one of those guys big names to get behind and sort of do this uh, or, or assist in this fighters association uh, but what do you think about Conor right now I think Conor's doing the right thing again he he already said he doesn't want to fight for 10 months or however long it is so what he's doing is keeping his name relevant it doesn't matter how you do it you know what I mean by saying fuck the UFC what better way to get the UFC to pay attention to the UFC fans by saying fuck the UFC and don't be so scared to say, fuck Joe. You said this is radio. You can say it. F this, F that. doesn't cut it anymore. Um, and the Floyd Mayweather, that's another thing. Attach yourself to a bigger star than you are. You know what I mean? He's doing the right things. Um, and, you know, even, even his strut. He said it straight out. It's the Vince McMahon strut. He's doing the – guy, the guy's smart. Marketing-wise, I don't know if someone's helping him, but he, he's doing a lot of smart things. And he even said, you know, Vince McMahon might have started, but it's mine. I created it. It's mine. Go away. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. The guy's awesome. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, it, it just he's, he's just – the trajectory that he's on right now is going to be uh, eye-opening, uh, in my opinion. And it's going to start getting ugly, I would say, within a couple of weeks, to be honest with you, based on the fact that uh, he is scheduled to come back sometime in the late spring – uh, after the, the the birth of his first child. Um, did you hear the news that CM Punk might be coming back? Or might be getting a second chance? Who gives a fuck? Like, honestly, like, I, that guy is useless to me. I don't, like, he didn't even build the fight that much. 
I mean, like, I don't know, to me, he, I think he trained in this sport for 10 years before he got a chance to, to compete. Showed horribly in his first fight. Um, I, you know, I've read, you know, like everybody else, I've read rumors that he just got murdered in training. He didn't win any fights. And it, again, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because truthfully, that's the way it should have been. There's no way he should have been able to come from, you know, the WWE or whatever it was. And then, oh, I'm going to jump in the octagon. Like, that's called a spade a spade. Um, he's a little bit up in age as far as I don't think he's, a, you know, a 24-year-old dude. I have no idea really what his age is. I think he's like 41 or something. I don't know. What I don't know what what's he coming back for? What's he trying to prove to himself so he can get another hand-picked opponent that he loses to? You mean Mickey Gall was a hand-picked opponent? And it turns out that Mickey was a lot more than they thought they, they thought he was. But you got a guy who's one and zero in the UFC. So now we're going to see a guy who's fighting at two and zero in the UFC. Uh, you're just discrediting our sport. I don't, I don't think he belongs here. You know, if he wants to come back and fight, make him go fight through the minors. He gets eight wins, seven wins. Sure, bring him back. I know he sells tickets, but you're discrediting the sport. Um, speaking of causing problems in the sport. Um... I don't ever claim to be someone that understands the the political game, uh, specifically south of our border. Heck, even in Canada, uh, I, I don't claim to be one of those guys that follows politics a lot. Uh, but I know I got this. I read the story about Gigar Busasi potentially maybe having problems or may have a problem uh, getting into the United States when he competes in Brooklyn uh, because of the seven country ban that Donald Trump has basically. Um, it started last week. Um, you know. Gegard was born in Iran, but he has a Dutch passport. I mean, this there's a lot of fighters that are from the Middle East or in general uh, that are on the UFC roster or that compete in mixed martial arts that, that are trying to get uh, over to compete in the United States. I mean, th- th- this is far-reaching. Um, th- th- do you have any thoughts on this at all? Not yet. You know what I mean? Like right now, it's just – because I, I read the one article too, and it, it even says they don't think it's going to be a problem. It's just a potential problem. So I, to me, I just don't make anything out of this until you know we're a little closer and some more details are out. And the truth is, I, as far as politics are concerned, I'm not a big political guy, and I, I know even less about you know, other than when Trump you know acts like an idiot. I don't really see too much. You know what I mean? Like, I have no no idea in this matter, truthfully. All right, let's talk about something near and dear to, to what you and I do because we watch television here uh, and we watch the UFC. Uh, and as we know, the UFC at one point was on Sportsnet, moved over to TSN uh, in the States apparently next year. There's going to be some changes because the UFC can command some big money for their product, big money for the broadcasting rights to the point where they might be able to do you know, what some of the bigger sports are doing, like the NFL, uh, where they're spreading the content across multiple networks, i.e. some on Fox, some on ESPN. Uh, do you see that, that the UFC is that big that they can do it south of the border? And you think that is something that might be able to happen here in Canada where some of the rights stay with TSN, some of them go back to Sportsnet? Again, I don't want to say they can't do that, but I already feel like it's spread thin a little bit. Um, again, and that, that's just me saying it. I still watch most of the UFCs, but, you know, there's times when I used to want to watch every undercard fight all the way through, and now I'm at a point where, you know, I might only care about two fights on the main card, and that might just because I don't know the newer generation of fighters as well. Um, so until I do, like, until these kids start marketing, because there's so many fighters now. Like, before this is the – I guess this is it. When the UFC – I was a fan from UFC 1, okay? There were so little fighters, and those same fighters fought all the time. So I became fans. I became a fan of all the fighters. I knew them. I knew them by name. I could see them. Now what's happened is we've gone from a roster of, you know, let's say 30 or 40 fighters 
So what is it, 300 fighters? Well, now it's hard for me to keep my interest with all the fighters now because I don't know them. I mean, they might all be great and have great personalities and great selling features, but if they don't put themselves out there like we've talked about and they don't sell themselves, if I don't have a, a vested interest in, in knowing you or, or seeing your personality, I, I probably don't have a vested interest in seeing you fight yet. So I find that's the difficult part. So I'm not drawn to every fight card where I want to see all the fights anymore because I don't know half the, half the fighters. I think the problem was when it all started about six, seven years ago because the UFC, as we all know, was you know we, we used to refer to it as the Super Bowl of mixed martial arts. It's the best of the best that are competing in the UFC. And the UFC was the place where everybody wanted to get to. It still is, but there's so many layers within the UFC that they've got – um, you know, they've got the top of the food chain. They've got, they, they, they've, they've taken that whole one portion of that grassroots level and made it their tier C. Like I said, like they've got tier A, tier B, tier C. You know, that's what the UFC basically is. It's a hockey analogy, triple A, double A, A, right? Or AE. That I mean, the, the UFC has got all three of those combined into one. Yeah, because it used to just be the, again, I don't want to criticize, but to us, to most of us, the, the guys who came off the show, that was the tier C. That was the only weaker tier that you really saw early on, right? When Once that show started up, other than I'm not saying season one, season two, not so much. But as that show went on, because they started, not just the, the top guys made the show. As soon as they started making, okay, everybody makes the UFC, that's when we're like, you want to fight all those tough guys. You mean like anybody who was on tough it didn't, didn't win? Even a lot of the guys that won, I'm like, they're not at the same level as the rest of the UFC because they went, everybody else went through the grinder, right? You've yeah. gone through years and, and the, the amateurs and the, the low, I, I call amateur the low level pros because to me you're not a pro fighter because you got paid 500 bucks to fight on you know a show in your home city that's not a pro fighter you're an amateur who got paid but you went through that grind the guys in the show a lot of those guys didn't have to go through that they had three or four wins and then lost on the show and came right into the ufc i'm like those were easy fights for a lot of guys all right Let's wrap things up here. We're not going to go through the whole fight card uh, for what's going to go down here on Saturday. You've seen Houston. Uh, but I will ask you about the main event. Dennis Bermuda is taking on the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung, uh, who's been out for two to three years uh, doing his military stuff uh, over in Korea. Uh, good on him. He's back. Very exciting fighter. Um, and then you have the argument. Is ring rust real? Is it not real? Some fighters say it is real. Some are like, no, it's not. Freddie Sensao. I give that example all the time. Freddie Sensao came off uh, about 18 months, took on Jay-Z, Cavill Conte and you know defeated him in the fourth round and still looked fresh in that fourth round other guys are like your timing is done dude after five to seven minutes you're toast but he's taking on Dennis Bermudez who's been pretty fresh uh any thoughts on this main event for Saturday I don't know I I'm not a the Korean zombie I'm a fan of his t-shirt but I, I don't think he stands much of a chance in this fight I but I haven't been a huge fan I felt he's that guy who just sticks around sticks around and he gets some wins but I think Bermudez runs him over here We'll see. Any other fight on this card that you like here? Is it one of those cards where you're just like, nah, that, that's good, main event? I didn't even know there was a fight card, so you might as well just rhyme off some more names and I'll tell you. <laughs> well, the co-main event is something I like. Alexa Grasso taking on uh, Felice Herrig, and there's another good scrap uh, on the undercard of a rematch. Tisha Torres uh, taking on Beck Rawlings. Those are some good scraps right there, but I don't know what you think. Those are the ladies competing, right? So, Yeah, I'm not a, you know, again, I'll, I'll watch them, but I'm not gung-ho on that. Anybody else? <laughs> uh, OSP? 
Ovid St. Pru, he's taking on uh, Vulcan Uzdemir, who was supposed to fight in the co-main event for Titan, but uh, a day before the weigh-ins, the UFC plucked him, and Titan said, yep, let him go. But he's had two weeks to prepare uh, for OSP, and uh, as you know, that one week is basically losing weight. So, well, I don't know. I don't know. I'll say good on Titan for that, though. That's, that's to me, respectful, because they, they know every... A lot of these smaller cards try and hold on to these fighters, and they think this is, you know, they, they can do it. When the UFC comes knocking and for an organization to lose their main event on two weeks and be okay with it, that's huge. To me, that's, you know, I, as, as a fighter, and if I was, you know, if I got fighters, that's the kind of organization I'd want my, my guys going up in. Titan's an absolutely fantastic organization. And you're fantastic for coming on here tonight, Sean. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know we're, we're approaching 10 o'clock uh, Eastern here, 10 p.m. Eastern. Anything you want to say to the peeps before I let you go? No. Like, they had to listen to you for this long. They might as well, you know, surrender the rest of the night. No, we're good. We're good. <laughs> I appreciate it. Looking forward. Welcome back to Canada. Uh, as for those that don't know, Sean lives about two minutes. Uh, he lives on the north side of Main Street. I live on the south side of Main Street. So uh, we'll likely run into each other very, very soon. But uh, as always, follow him online, social media, at Sean Pearson. Uh, yours truly, at Showdown Joe. As always, thank you once again. Uh, tomorrow, 1 o'clock, with um, managing editor from Fightful com Sean Rossap and yours truly. Uh, make sure you tune in because I'm sure he'll uh, like Sean Pearson. We'll probably raise a few eyebrows. And as always, parental advisory in full effect. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Hey, hold up, hold yeah. up, hold up. Did you know that if I click on this thing, my face is in the bigger picture? That is awesome. I've just minimized your picture now. I had to look at you on full screen. Now I'm actually full screen myself, and you're in the small box. I didn't know I could, this. This shows way better already. I fixed it. Okay, good. So here's a question. When, when our viewers, when they click on this and see it, who gets the big picture? The person that talks. So if I keep talking more, I get the big picture. I got it. Okay, good, good. Knowledge, knowledge is power. I got this. So should I even show up next week? <laughs> you don't need to, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Pearson, yours truly, Showdown Joe. Look forward to it next week. Uh, as always, next Wednesday. Sean, again, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.